We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. I get a look. All right, welcome back to the show. Hour number two. Hoping to hear from David Hale of ESPN here in a couple of minutes. Also, Quincy Roche. And then uh, we will uh, replay Manny Diaz from our first segment. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from David Hale. But uh, on Thursday, uh, before we talk more about uh, the ACC, let let me remind you that on Thursday night, it's Miami and Alabama Birmingham at Hard Rock Stadium. Kickoffs at 8.06. We'll be on there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon with our pregame show and then kickoff at 8 o'clock. So a big uh, four-hour pregame show to get you ready for Miami in the Blazers of UAB. It will be the first game of, of any ACC team playing this year. So that'll be very exciting. And then a big weekend coming up of ACC football, Don, that includes Clemson in Wake Forest, Syracuse in North Carolina, Georgia Tech, and uh, Florida State. So some big games coming up inside the ACC. It's going to be exciting, and I'm looking forward to getting the full slate of the, the this year's version of the ACC. You and I have spent some time talking about that with, with how difficult the schedule is and how exciting it is and the fact that Notre Dame is <clears throat> truly a part of the ACC right now. And I'd like to see – like to see them become a part of it full time, and uh, if that can work itself out, I'm not so sure that after this season, that this conference-only schedule or some form of it might not stick around. It's going to be hard for fans to go back to uh, a lot of the non-conference games. I'm not saying eliminate all the non-conference games, right. but I think fans are going to get a very good dose of some great matchups, not only inside the ACC but the SEC, and there's going to be a real appetite for these kind of matchups every weekend. I agree with you. Um, <clears throat> the other part of it is, I mean, really, you're going to know the answer to this more than I will. The real question is, can they do it in basketball also, right? Do you, can, you, can you get away without dividing it up in basketball? Well, you're playing, it, 20, you're playing 20. They went, they, says we've been in the league. They've ex- expanded basketball by four games, gone from 16 to 20. So it's uh, 20 games now in basketball. Yeah, well, I, I, we're going to learn a lot about a, a lot of different things. <laughs> and, and it's going to be uh, – I'm looking forward to the schedule. I really am. All right, let's uh, move on now. We do have David Hale with us from ESPN. We'll talk with him a little bit about uh, some of these uh, things inside the ACC. David, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, guys. I'm excited to actually have some – 
football games to talk about. I know we're not quite there yet, but I'm feeling confident that Saturday and Thursday games will actually be played, so this is encouraging. Uh, yeah, because there was, a, I think, David, fair to say, a sense of perhaps we would not get to this point. And uh, I think uh, I think the teams and the players, when they came out about a month ago, six weeks ago, and said, we want to play, I think they proved a lot of doubters wrong right now. They are put themselves in a position to play. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> we've had plenty of hiccups along the way. Um, I think that the thing that they said – routinely and that i've heard and and tend to agree with is that let's be you know smart and analytical about this let's not make decisions before we have to uh let's see the evidence for what it is um i get that this is a very scary time and uh you know if i'm a player i probably have some concerns if i'm a parent i'm sure i have some concerns uh as coaches and administrators they all have concerns there's nothing you know, wrong with that. And I, and I would hesitate to say that the Big Ten or the Pac-12 made the wrong decision. That future will, will tell us what that is. Um, but I think when you look at it, you know, the players said, look, give us the chance to prove that we can do this. And, and, the, and again, there's been hiccups as, as regular students have come back to campus. I think we all knew that was going to happen. Uh, but by and large, the numbers have been more encouraging and I think, you know, certainly as you've seen some of these games get played, they're gonna, we're going to have hiccups. We're going to have problems. Uh, we're going to see some games get delayed or postponed. But I think, you know, overall what we're seeing is that, um, you know, football can be played, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a issue of, of health. And, in fact, I would argue that the majority of the cases, the positive cases that we've seen and the contact tracing – has been about things away from the field. You know, the, the more time they actually are spending on the field and with their teammates and coaches, I think there's a good case to be made that that's probably the safest place they can be. Let's stick with the safest place they can be, David. When, when you think about it, you know, go back months ago and there was there's so much talk about not playing, and but now players are on campus, they're in a controlled environment, they're, everything is taken care of. They're being monitored. They're getting the best care and best supervision that really you probably can get anywhere in the United States. And that's all of these schools that are playing the game. Don't you think that the, the, the college football, the, the teams that are playing, have a right to be proud of, of what they've accomplished to this second? Yeah, I mean, look, the, the, there's a lot to unpack with all of this. And I think um, there's no point in which we're going to be done talking about all of this. I think the aftermath of these decisions, both good and bad, are going to be playing out over a long period of time. And I, I genuinely understand the argument of, look, these are amateur athletes. Why are we asking them to go and do this thing that makes money for schools uh, and they're not being paid? And why are they taking the risk? And all, all of those conversations are not necessarily wrong. Uh, and I think there will be big conversations that are had around those exact topics uh, as we move forward in the coming years. But I think what, to your point, is that athletes have said they want to play. Okay, so the first thing you need to do is listen to what they want. Uh, if you're going to prioritize them, uh, their opinion counts. And I think when you look at the precautions that the vast majority of schools have certainly tried to undertake, um, it is commendable. They're testing as much as they possibly can. And, and at 
great expense, I might add. Uh, I talked to coaches or ADs who say that you know they're they're definitely spending into the seven figures on testing uh, at this point. And, and you know, again, I think it has gone a long way to sort of counter this narrative, which I think has always been false, but certainly is prevalent that uh, oh, they're just eighteen to twenty-two year old kids and they can't take care of themselves and they're not uh, responsible and we can't we can't trust them. And I think this is really underscored. I mean, certainly with this, certainly with the social justice stuff over the summer underscores that these guys are not just dumb jocks being told what to do at every five seconds. They are adults that are capable of understanding what this situation is all about and behaving accordingly. And to your point, I think that is very much commendable. Let's uh, jump into where we are this year with the ACC. Notre Dame joins in for one year. Don and I were just having this conversation about the ACC-only schedule for the most part. I think it's going to be hard to go back. Uh, I think the games are going to be really compelling if we get all the way through. Uh, I think you're going to have some great games every weekend. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing. I talked to uh, the AD at uh, Charlotte the other day about I was doing a story on what the impact of this is on some of the group of five and lower level teams. And he said, you know, we're weathering the same storms as everybody, but my big concern or where it might really hit us down the road is if these conference-only schedules or the 10-game conference schedules really take hold and people decide, oh, we like this and we keep going, and suddenly we're kind of shut out of the scheduling picture. And I don't know what the reality is going to be, but I tend to agree with you that we're going to see some really good games. We're going to see some more compelling matchups. I think the product being put out on TV is going to be better. Uh, I think we're less likely to see a ton of these, you know, 73 to nothing, just, you know, essentially glorified scrimmages. Um, that's all for the best. I, I love the fact that Notre Dame is a part of the league for this year. I, I'm certain that there is plenty of Notre Dame backers who will insist this is a one year only thing, but um, you know, Notre Dame might get a taste of this too, and I would argue maybe a taste of a little bit more money and and better competition and easier scheduling too. There, there's tons of upside to this. Now, I will also say I've, I'm a as much as I hate seeing the 73 to nothing, you know, Miami versus Florida A&M type of games. I do enjoy getting to see some of the, you know, the big time early season cross country games, those matchups between, say, an ACC and a Pac-12 team that you wouldn't normally see. And I, and I hope we don't get to a point where those kind of get eliminated from the schedule, too. I think there needs to be enough flexibility that we still get to see stuff that's unique and different. But, you know, part of what's, I think, going to be fun about this season is it's going to be unique and different. And I think we'll get to see a lot better games because of it. Does Notre Dame come into the ACC after this season's over? For 2021, I would be highly skeptical of it. But I think there's a couple of things at play. Number one is their TV deal isn't this thing that dwarfs everybody else like it used to be. You know, since the last time they signed a TV deal, the money has has changed a good bit and will continue to change. And so I think financially, there's a lot of upside to being a part of a conference. Um, And then the other thing of it is, is, is we have a playoff system now, which we didn't have. Uh, when Notre Dame was sort of in its heyday of TV rights either. And while so far this new playoff system has not really impacted Notre Dame, in fact, they've been able to make the playoff once, uh, as we move forward and playoff rights uh, and the playoff format is, is tweaked going forward in the next round of negotiations, which will be coming up in a few years, 
there may be more pressure to do it than ever because if we get to a point where uh, let's say they expand the playoff to eight teams and there's the, the, the big conferences all get an automatic bid. Well, an automatic bid sounds awfully good if you're Notre Dame, and I could see <laughs> there being increased pressure. And then the other thing of it is, is look, it's just, it's just common sense that once you've done something once, it becomes easier to do it again. You know, the whole tradition of independence, that's still there. It doesn't disappear because of this one year, but it does sort of provide this blueprint for – uh, all the Notre Dame fans who have said, oh, we'll never do it. Well, okay, that's out the window. You've done it once, and look, the world didn't end. Uh, so I think there's, there's a distinct possibility that it, it lays the groundwork for this kind of a conversation down the road. I don't think it happens immediately, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see it as a long-term thing. You know, I do have to say, in terms of the scheduling, uh, the smaller teams, or uh, however we want to describe them, the University of Miami did go the last couple of years – we went to Central Michigan, and we went to App State. And both of those games were, for those communities, were perhaps the, some of the biggest thing or a big thing that has happened to them in a long time. I thought it was really exciting for those communities to see a big team come in, uh, especially at App State. I thought it was a wonderful afternoon, and uh, not many people have taken on that kind of a challenge. But Miami was supposed to go to Arkansas State, but we got hurricaned out. On that one, so maybe those opportunities uh, will still exist down the road. Trevor Lawrence, uh, David David Hale is our guest from ESPN, has made some big headlines. Uh, what do you expect to see from him on the field this year? Yeah, it's really interesting. I talked to him today about exactly this, and you know, if you remember back to the first month or so of last season, he was good, but he wasn't Trevor Lawrence good, and everybody was having the same "What's wrong with Trevor Lawrence?" conversations and. Uh, by the end of the year, he was pretty open about, you know, I I got thinking about headlines. I got thinking about all of the, the conversations that people were having about me and the expectations people were having, and I probably wasn't playing my game. I had to kind of put that aside. And Now here we are a year later, and it really has been a wild offseason for him. I mean, he has been at the forefront of the social justice movement, the players wanting to play movement. Um, you know, he has had as much focus on him as in the offseason uh, as virtually anybody we've had in a long time. And yet talking to him, he says, I feel so much better going into this season about who I am and where I'm at and, and that comfort level of, of how to manage all of the expectations and all of the outside pressures than I did this time last year. So I think he's going to be really good now. I think there are some reasonable questions about what he has to work with there. Yes, Travis Etienne is great, but they're replacing four starters on the O-line. They've got a receiving core that no longer has T. Higgins, no longer has Justin Ross. Some of their best guys, their, you know, their best up-and-coming guys, Joe Ngata and Frank Ladson, missed virtually all of fall camp because of uh, COVID-related stuff. I think there's you know, some real questions about what the chemistry of Clemson's offense is going to look like week one. But if I've got Trevor Lawrence back there taking snaps, I'm okay with whatever else it is. He's, he's just really good and as professional and, uh, and I think mature as you're going to see a superstar in college football. So I'm, I'm really glad we're getting to see him. He had another comment today saying, like, look, I want to I appreciate every opportunity I have on the field because with all that's going on, you never know when this is your last game. And it made me kind of sad to think about we eventually will see Trevor Lawrence's last game, and uh, I hope everybody appreciates what they get to see while they're getting to see it. When you look at the national picture, it was a little odd to me that uh, 
Jamie Newman, the quarterback who was at Wake Forest, who transferred over to the University of Georgia, last week decides to, to opt out. Now, fortunately, if you're Georgia, you picked up the USC transfer you know, quarterback, JT Daniels, who was a former five-star. But what do you make of that transaction? Yeah, you know, it's hard to say always what's going through a guy's head. And I have no doubt that Jamie Newman and plenty of other guys have had some voices in their ears saying, don't do this. You've got, you know, the NFL is going to love you. You're going to blow up the combine. Don't risk it this season. Get out, you know, enjoy life. you got, you know, agents are going to give you some cash to, to keep training. Don't worry about it. Those conversations are happening. Now, I don't know that that's the conversation that changed Jamie Newman's mind. The other thing of it is, is if you watched Jamie Newman at Wake Forest last year, and they were quite good on offense, but they ran a very unique style of offense too. And I think part of why he wanted to go to Georgia was to show that, that he can flourish outside of that system. But maybe you get into running through a few weeks of camp and you're running that system and you realize, you know what, I don't know that I've got this down the way I would like to have had it down at this point because of this crazy offseason and why am I going to risk my stock by not playing to the level I think I should be playing at in this new system that I haven't gotten really acquainted with um, and, and it just becomes a business decision of like look I, I, I'm going to lose more money by trying to play than if I just leave and, and really kind of work on myself in, in the interim so you know, I don't know. It's it's certainly not optimal for Jamie Newman. It's not optimal for Georgia. I don't think anybody feels good about the way that it's gone. But this is sort of the, the hand that we've been dealt this crazy year because of the virus. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm bummed we're not going to see a year of Jamie Newman at Georgia. But I'm bummed about not seeing a lot of guys, Greg Rousseau and Sage Surratt and, and Caleb Varley and a ton of guys just in the ACC. It's, it's, it's a bummer not to get to see those guys play for another year. Before we let you go, are you excited to see Derek King? I would argue I'm more excited to see Derek King than than any other player in college football this weekend. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, look, I, I, the last time we really saw him at full strength uh, was a long time ago, but he was really, really good. Now, how does that all translate? It has been a crazy offseason for them too. You know, he's had to he's had to kind of go the accelerated track of trying to build uh, uh, chemistry with his receivers and, and figure out what his offensive line and his new coordinator are all about. But, uh, and I think that's what makes it so intriguing is that it's not a guarantee, but boy, you have to love the talent. You have to love the opportunity. And I'm really excited to see it. I can't wait to tune in Thursday night and see, you know, as bad as things ended for Miami's offense last year, I'm incredibly excited to see what these changes you're going to bring this year and Derek King in particular. Okay, David, thanks uh, so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be reading all of your material at uh, ESPN.com. Thanks for being with us tonight. And uh, we hope the University of Miami gives you, some, gives you some great material during the course of the year. I'm looking forward to it, guys. Thanks so much. All right, that's uh, David Hale joining us from ESPN. And there you go, Don, another one who can't wait to see Derek King. A third party, mind you, not, not just uh, a Hurricane fan, so to speak, but uh, I'm, everybody's excited, and, and the guy has such a great body of work uh, that he's bringing to the University of Miami. And I, Joe, I think it would be unfair to, to not bring up the fact that, um, that Manny Diaz is really responsible for Derek King getting here. I mean, he had to fix the quarterback position, made the decision to get it fixed, 
and got really the best available player out there because the young man, if you, if you were going to try and go after the Wake Forest guy, he, he would have left you last week after you've invested all this time in him and the offense and everything going with it. Derek King is the one that's standing, getting ready to start in 48 hours. Yeah, some, uh, some people would say that uh, Jamie Newman bolted because of the competition, that perhaps he wasn't going to win that job. And I think you're going to see uh, some of the uh, – you know, you might see this opting out more uh, next year or continue uh, when guys are juniors, then they might say, okay, I'm not, you know, during the spring, maybe their, their stock rises in terms of the NFL draft the following year. But there's one question that uh, NFL general managers always ask, and that is how much do you love football? And if you sit out for a year, you may have answered the question for them. Yeah, or, or how do you handle competition? Right. You may say, oh, I love the game, but and, and I believe you're you're 100 percent correct. There's going to be a lot of people that uh, one of the first two or three questions for Jamie Newman is, why did you really leave? And if, if Daniels comes in and has a phenomenal year, which he could very well do with the, ta- the talent level he has, that may answer a lot of people's questions without ask- asking it. OK, Miami and Alabama, Birmingham on Thursday night, just a, a day and a half away now. Uh, to kick off the 2020 season, Thursday night, 8 o'clock, Hard Rock Stadium. We'll be on the air at 4 o'clock uh, at about this hour. Uh, in two days, we'll be halfway through our network pregame show and uh, breaking down Miami and Alabama, Birmingham. One of the guys that figures into some of the battleground discussion will be defensive end Quincy Roche. He joins us next right here on the Hurricane Hotline coming up next. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hurricane Hotline Home Edition with Don Bailey Jr., Joe Zagacki. What what might be in that, that smoothie? Well, that uh, Priscilla Bailey smoothie is, uh, what do we got in there? What Kale. kale that's right. It always yeah, starts with kale, Joe. Kale, a, little, yeah, figured. <laughs> a little kale, a little uh, pineapple, a little uh, banana, a little, little uh, what is it? Spinach. Oh, spinach. Yeah, we got to mix Got to mix the good with the good with the not so tasty. <laughs> you, you can keep the kale and the spinach. Joe, you wouldn't know. I mean, she'll make you one. You you don't know what's in it. You shouldn't have asked. Really, some things you should don't want to know what's in. Okay. Well, what we are going to want to know is how do you get to the quarterback in such a quick, efficient, and physical way? And Quincy Roche is joining us, her University of Miami defensive end. Uh, he'll be making his University of Miami debut. Uh, De'Ara King making his debut for the Canes. And so is Quincy Roche. He's with us on the Hurricane Outline right now. Quincy, good evening. How are you? Hey, how you guys doing? We are great, and we're looking forward to watching you play on Thursday night. Uh, how much are, how excited are you to debut in a Hurricanes uniform and play against Alabama Birmingham Thursday night? Oh, man, I, I'm excited, man. I mean, you know, if you would have asked me in March if I thought it would be a season, I, I wouldn't have had an answer for you. But I'm excited now that I know we got a game coming up and I get to play my first game up here. 
Talk about Coach Stroud, would you, Quincy? He's, he's been one of my favorite coaches. I mean, the guy just uh, seems to make everybody around him better. And he, he, I, I watch the way that he works with you guys. He's such a great teacher. How has he impacted you so far? Yeah, Stroud, you know, is a great coach. You know, we, we all love him. You know, he, he lets the players be who they are. And, you know, he's the same person every day. Um, you know, you get the same Coach Stroud every day, regardless of how you come in there. You know, he's consistent in the way he teaches us and the way he's coaching us, and we all appreciate him. Quincy, you mentioned a minute ago about weren't sure if you are able to play. We're going to be able to play a game. Let's go through the commitment of uh, you and your teammates, the excellent job uh, that all of you guys have done as a team to get us to this point and, and why it was so important for you guys to follow protocol and be leaders on and off campus. Yeah, um, well, it's, it's, it's really important to follow protocol, you know, and, and still, you know, not just then, but, but now, you know, it's, with the whole COVID thing, it's really a day-to-day thing, you know, um, one bad day or one person getting exposed and bringing it into the building could put the whole team in jeopardy. So, um, you know, it's really a, something that we, we're, we're staying constantly on top of, and it's re- it really falls down to everybody just being responsible when they're not in the building, when they're off the field. You come in and you think Greg Rousseau is going to be on the other side and Greg opts out, and then Jalen Phillips is there, takes the same number, and I've been watching you guys every chance I get at practice, and you guys are one heck of a tandem, and you've got some support behind you at the defensive end spot. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's going to be a blast this year. Uh, you know, I, I'm excited to play with these guys. Uh, you know, we really are rallying around each other, and it's, I, I can't wait to see how it feels when we put the uniform on and turn the lights on. Um, I can't wait to see how much fun we have. We got to ask you more about the defense, but you did play against De'Ara King, so you've had the experience of trying to slow him down. What can Hurricane fans expect from your quarterback? Um, he, he's explosive, man. <laughs> to this day, I think he's one of the hardest quarterbacks I had to, uh, ever had a game plan for. Uh, I don't know that we really slowed him down in Temple. He, he scored forty nine points. Uh, <laughs> I really won't call that. <laughs> I really won't call that slowing anybody down, but you know he's a dynamic player. He can beat you. He can beat you with his feet, or he can beat you with his arms. You know, so it's he, he's really a dynamic player, and um, I'm excited to watch him play. And like I like I've been saying, I'm so happy. I'm so glad that I, I don't have to play against him. Did you sack him? Yeah, I did. I did. I did sack him. Uh, <laughs> we played each other every year. I did get a sack on him. You can ask him about that. <laughs> We will ask him. We will ask him about that. Hey, yeah, do me a favor. There's been so much said because of. <laughs> okay, I'm sure he's going to have us come back and ask you something too. <laughs> hey, um, when you when you think about this offensive line, you go against them every day. You got one on one pass drills. You got it. All our all our listeners want to know is this offensive line gotten better from where they were last year? And there's nobody better to ask than you. Absolutely. Um, not not only just who they were last year, but who they were from spring. Um, every day they keep getting better, you know, um, and we challenge each other every day in practice. So, like I say, I, I'm really excited about our offense. 
I'm really excited about our defense and getting to play with these play with these guys. And you know, I, I think that um, you guys would be really excited uh, when we come out there on Thursday. Quincy Roche is our guest. Uh, Quincy, it's gonna it's going to sound a little bit different. Going to be a little bit different inside the stadium. You are going to run through the smoke for the first time. Uh, how are you guys preparing for what you're going to see this year? In some cases, there will be fans in the stadium. Some cases, you might just have crowd noise. How do you how do you stay focused? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's different, but you know, we're, we're excuse me. We have to pick up the ener- the lack of energy. Um, you know. As long as we're juiced up, as long as we have energy on the sideline and we're, we're getting excited for our guys, it won't feel any different. Um, because, you know, when you get locked in and you get around your brothers and everybody's excited and everybody's juiced up, you know, you, you really can't tell. You really you really won't be able to tell. So as long as we do it right and bring energy, we'll be fine. Quincy, you're one of, you were one of the top players in the whole country who entered the portal. What led you to the University of Miami? Why did you say, I'm going to end my career at the U? Definitely. Um, you know, the, the, the coaches, um, the guys on the team, um, and, you know, it's a prestigious university. You know, uh, who, who wouldn't want to play for the U? Who wouldn't want to put the U on the side of that helmet? Um, and so a combination of all of those things, and, the, and then it just being the right fit for me. Um, a, combina- a combination of all of those things just led me to feel like this was this was my new home for the next year. Quincy Roche is our guest here on the Hurricane Hotline Thursday night, Miami and Alabama, Birmingham. Okay, you got a pretty good challenge for an opening game. This team, uh, they got a three-headed monster in the backfield. This kid, number four, Spencer Brown, he's been around a long time. He can really run the football. What are your thoughts uh, about slowing down their offense? Um, they have a really dynamic offense, um, a physical O-line. Um, some 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 great some guys that skill that that are excellent, you know. So I think we have our work cut out for us. Um, this is a talented team, and we have to come out there and execute and bring everything we have so we could so we can win this game. Quincy, when you <clears throat> when you're getting ready to go out on the field for the first time, what are your thoughts when you get to run through the smoke? Because that's what everybody talks about being a Miami football player. Is the first time they're going to run through the smoke. Yeah, um, you know, a game day is an exciting day, but you kind of got to bring yourself back down to ground zero. Um, you know, and you just kind of, you just got to kind of tell yourself, you know, um, just make sure you're doing your job, um, make sure you're getting excited for your teammates, and make sure we're executing. You know, and as long as we do that, we do that, we'll be fine. Quincy Roche, University of Miami defensive end, is our guest. Hey, how about on the other side, Jalen Phillips, Jafari Harvey. Uh, then you have these young guys, Cameron Williams and uh, Chance Williams. You got some guys that are going to uh, go after the quarterback, and everybody kind of plays the same style. What, what are your thoughts on some of these uh, other guys that we're going to see in the game? Definitely. Um, you know, our D-line room has a lot of depth. There's a lot of talent in our D-line room. Um, and, you know, that that kind of helped us with losing Greg is that um, it's a lot of depth at defensive end, you know. And I, I'm excited. I'm ex- I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to play this year and to be able to play with these guys, you know. Um, and you know, and, and and we're young at the same time, so right. I think we're going to have a blast this year playing with each other. Quincy, people forget that for defensive ends to have a ton of sacks or to have great years, 
you need a lot of help from those defensive tackles. Tell us how, how that group's helping you out and how they've gotten better this offseason. Yeah, um, you know, I think we could kind of try to make it a point to be on the same page, you know, uh, and and to, and to get together and be on one accord. And and I think we still have progress. We're still making progress on that. But, you know, that, it definitely helps to have guys like John Ford, um, Nesta, uh, uh, Joy Miller, Jerry Harrison Hunt, uh, Holly on the inside that, you know, that apply that pressure and that force the quarterback out of the middle of the pocket. You know, it definitely makes your job easier on the edge. Quincy, um, you're one of the older guys on the team. Do you feel like you take on a leadership role, or is that a harder thing to do since you're kind of a newcomer to the team? Definitely, um, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a hard thing to do. You know, I think um, leadership is something that just kind of happens. You know, um, it's not something that that's forced. And you know, I, I do kind of feel like it, it, I do kind of feel a responsibility to take on a leadership role because you know we're, we're a young group. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I have to offer, and there's a lot of things that um, that I can learn from the young guys. So you know, I, I do look at it as a responsibility, but you know, it's it's no different than what what, what my response, my role was at Temple. All right, Quincy Roche has, okay, has you're, been you're, our guest, yeah. and uh, Quincy, thank you for taking the time uh, to join us on the show. We appreciate it, and uh, you know, you get, you get a free year this year. You can come back next year. Can we start recruiting you for another year? <laughs> yeah, man. You know, I'm kind of taking it one week at a time, one game at a time. You know, All right. right now, right now, I'm focused on what's what's going to happen on Thursday. All right. Well, we hope it's a great debut for you and Derek King. We look forward to watching you play and uh, get that big quarterback Tyler Johnson on the ground Thursday night. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having. Me. All right. That's uh, Quincy Roche. Join us, University of Miami, starting defensive end. He'll wear number two, 137 tackles at Temple Don, and uh, one of the great sackmeisters in college football. And uh, this scheme is just going to be perfect for him. I like that you're recruiting him already for next year, yeah, Joe. Why Good not? for you. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I agree. Yeah. This is this is the freebie. I think that uh, everybody can come back and either graduate or get a master's degree. It uh, it makes a lot of sense and. <clears throat> and also, he can open up next season against Alabama. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's a big. That's a big to do. And I, you know, Joe, I think uh, when you, when you t- talk to a guy like Quincy, and you realize that, and honestly, he could have gone anywhere in the country. There's no doubt about it. Picks the University of Miami and uh, builds a relationship with with his staff and Coach Stroud. And, you know, you look at the guys that, that came in this year, they, have, they are all of them are difference makers for Miami. Okay, we look forward to uh, seeing Quincy Roche on Thursday night, Miami and Alabama, Birmingham. When we come back, we'll hear uh, once again from University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz. Uh, let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac for a moment. Ed Williamson and Williamson Cadillac, they've been a part of Miami's Unique community for over 52 years, and Williamson Cadillac serves this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Nobody understands South Florida and the luxury car business as well as Ed Williamson, and you can experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer with its award-winning lineup. You can make a statement in their unmistakable XT crossovers engineered to stand out. I'm driving the XT5. It is smooth. It is stylish. It is 
about as comfortable a ride as you are going to get anywhere, anytime. Or you can excite your senses in Williamson's CD sedan series dedicated to performance or ride in the original icon, the Cadillac Escalade. Visit their state-of-the-art facility. It's conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street, just south of the Palmetto Expressway. Or view their entire lineup online, WilliamsonCadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Now back to Hurricane Hotline on the home of the U. AM 560 and FM 96.5 HD2 WQAM. Driven by Williamson Cadillac. For value, style, and performance, visit Miami's premier luxury dealership. Click WilliamsonCadillac.com now. Here's Don Bailey Jr. and the voice of the Hurricanes, Joe Zagacki. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Manny Diaz Show. Uh, another season of University of Miami football. Joe Zagacki alongside University of Miami head coach Manny Diaz and my broadcast partner Don Bailey Jr. as we get ready to kick off the 2020 college football season. The Hurricanes will begin on a Thursday night game against Alabama-Birmingham at Hard Rock Stadium with an 8 o'clock kickoff, and Canes have been in training camp. Well, it seems like for a long time, Coach, but uh, things so far are going smooth. It's been a very interesting, I'm sure, off-season and very interesting training camp. How have you been able to navigate us to this point where we're just a couple of days away from kickoff? Can't believe we're actually here. Um, I mean, 2020's all been about taking everything day by day. Um, our players have already overcome immense challenges just to get us to that to this point. You know, the fact that we actually have a game that we can talk about and, and prepare for because for a long time that was in doubt and we didn't know. And, and really it, it was up to what their their behavior patterns were and and you know being a model for staying safe and staying healthy and and that's really gotten us to this point. Manny, what do you think was the point where the team just really bought in? You hear that in sports forever and ever, buy in, buy in. But I'm talking about the buy in to make sure that everybody's going to respect the new rules and to get this season to kick off. Well, it had to be immediate, you know, because when we you know we probably brought 65 or so players. Uh, for summer workouts starting around June 15th and you know it could have it could have gone bad right away so we you know all of those testing the, the testing rounds we put our guys through we knew that they were all very important because our football team and a couple other sports were really the first student at, students that we brought back on onto our campus here in Coral Gables so they were in essence the test run for being able to bring the the, the larger student body back you know in August and and how they were able to function and how they were able to, you know, sort of keep the virus out of our building was the, sort of the big battle cry uh, we talked about. So, it, 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 you know, there was we couldn't have a gradual, you know, building. We had, to, we, had to, we had to be really good right from the start. Coach, why do you think it became important to the players? Because it can't happen. You had great leadership, of course, with you and President Frank and the administration. But ultimately, it has to be important to the players. Why did it become so important to the players? Well, they love playing football. You know, and and it's something that they've done since they were their little kids, and they've been good at it, and 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 it's just you know they love the, being a part of a team. You know, with 2020, what what we all kind of got knocked sideways back when we went into lockdown is we really had no structure, right? Every day was Groundhog Day, and there was really no sense of community, and that's really been an issue of, of you know globally in this t- calendar year is just you know we're so divided on so many issues, and and so the the wanting to come together as a team, the wanting everyone to have a common purpose, to think of something bigger than yourself, um, 
you know, I think we really all appreciated that when we got back into the office in the summertime, got back into workouts, and, and ultimately got back into, into training camp. Coach, I really want to give you credit for asking your football team to be leaders on campus when about other students possibly not wearing a mask and how important it is, but setting an example, not on the field, we talk about that and we talk about the games, but when they go into the, the student body to set an example there as well, and they bought in on that fact as equal. Well, they did. You know, we always, any given year, you always tell, you know, the, the players that they have more to lose than sometimes than just the general student body or just people out in public, right? And that's, whether that's behavior, uh, how we operate, there, there are just things that if you want to be an elite football team, there are decisions that you cannot make when you're outside this building. 2020 presented a whole new level of decision-making. And, and, and so the understanding that, that our season was and still is dependent on the compliance of many people doing the right thing um, to keep the numbers down. What we have seen is that the numbers are man, they, they are they're malleable. I mean, we if 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 there is a proper pattern of behavior, and we've seen it in Dade County where our positivity rate was in the 20s for the majority of the summer, and and now it's it's coming down 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 into the sixes and sevens. Um, that is not just random. That is because of a pattern of behavior. So we wanted our guys to to be leaders and show that it could be done. Uh, we kind of jump into some of the things you've been able to uh, accomplish in training camp, but I do think it was very interesting and uh, worth report, uh, repeating. You only had four practices in the spring, but one of the things you were able to show your players is by contact how much time players spend in contact, and so that probably getting the virus isn't going to happen on the football field because there isn't that long sustained contact. Well, we, we at least wanted to give them what the data you know, suggested. And, and, you know, obviously we don't want to, we don't want to have anyone on our practice field that, that, that is carrying the virus. And now with our testing, we hope that we have the ability to eliminate that or make it the, the odds very low. Um, but yes, I mean, I, we have tried to do this entire year is be as transparent as we possibly could with the players, because as we know, again, another aspect of 2020, there's so much information out there. Not all of it is at times accurate. Um, so just be an open book, uh, let them know what, what's real, you know, and, and one of the things is, is actually, as you mentioned, is how much close contact are you in with your teammates during any given practice or even in a game. And what the numbers showed is that it was not it was not large periods of time. Andy, you're a parent, have beautiful kids, but every kid on your football team has parents or guardians. How did you keep them informed as well? Because you didn't want the translation to go wrong from, from the student athlete to the parent or vice versa. That's right. Well, we, we've had a series of Zoom meetings with the parents really throughout the entire pandemic, um, just trying to do the same thing. I mean, try to let them know exactly, as you mentioned, what, uh, um, what messaging we were giving the players and um, allow them to ask questions, allow us, even if we didn't know the answer. And, you know, the answer a lot of times in 2020 was, I don't know. Right. And we struggle with that, right? It's, it's, you, know, you know, we always want things to be certain. And when you're dealing with things, and a lot of times, as tricky as a virus, I mean, there is going to be some uncertainty as, as we were learning more about it as a medical community. But um, I think that communication going back and forth and, and, and letting everyone know that, that again, we are led by a pandemic expert at the University of Miami and Dr. Julio Frank. This, is not, this was never a, a football decision made by football coaches or athletic department staff. And, right. and everything here was about what would be the safest to operate. And, and, and I think sort of, you know, with Dr. Frank being our North Star, it, it became very easy for everyone to see that there was a pathway forward. Let's talk some football. You made some uh, some changes in the offseason. 
and we're very excited to see your offense. Brought in three new offensive coaches, all former offensive coordinators. Coach Lashley comes in, spread offense. Got yourself a new quarterback. Uh, got a new right tackle. You got a lot of enthusiasm on offense. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you've seen and why you like it so far. Well, yeah, I mean, it was obvious towards the end of last year that, that things weren't working the way that we needed them to work. And um, and, and to your point, you know, when, when you're when you're trying to get this program where we want it to go, um, you got to address your issues. And obviously we had some issues. So, um, you know, giving us a, a different style of offense, you know, making some things a little bit easier on our players um, that they could execute, um, getting the ball into space and, and, and allowing ourselves to play fast, I think, Number one, that was very exciting for everybody in our program. As you mentioned, Rhett Lashley, Rob Likens, Garen Justice. It's not just even, you know, stylistically, you know, the, the style of offense they like. It's really who they are as individuals, uh, very confident people, um, uh, coaches that, that have great connections with their players, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that was an issue I think we had a year ago. So you're just, you know, again, from my chair, you're just trying to solve all your problems. And you know that you never have all of your problems solved. Um, but there's, but that you know, again, that's what 2020 has been about, right? You know, find an issue and try to fix it. So we've been trying to do that, and we felt like we did that. You know, bringing in Derek King, you know, Jared Williams, a, a, a transfer tackle. I mean, just just a lot of you know, and then and then the class of 2020, some of those guys who really are, are, have had a really good training camp. So um, it's a new year. Every year in college football is a new year. We've seen that a couple of years with some of the teams. Uh, if you look at LSU a couple of years ago and where they were to where they ended up, and and that's not to say that. It's always that simple. It never is, um, but we did feel we do feel like we're in a better place offensively than where we finished a year ago. Coach, give us some insight on what attracted you to Coach Likens, a guy that played the position in the Southeastern Conference, and then of, co of course Coach Justice, who also was a second-team All-American and an offense that was a fast pace at, at West Virginia. But what what led you to those guys and hiring them to be a part of this staff? Well, there's some people in this profession that I have an awful lot of respect for, and you know, you everyone's heard the the, the air raid um, passing game that's been you know that's really you know been you know different coaches around that have had great great success with it and it's kind of spread out through college football and I had some people that were very familiar with the air raid and have been it for a long time that said Rob Likens was the best wide receiver coach in the country and if you want to throw the ball um, and have a great level of success you better have a wide receiver coach who's a great teacher um, so that was really exciting but getting Rob in you know when you really get the people in your building then you get to find out really how they connect with others and I think that's where our receivers have really bought in to not just Rob's teaching, but who Rob is as a person. Garen Justice, I think, very similar. Uh, we saw the success he had a couple years ago when he was at FAU, great connections um, in South Florida in recruiting. Um, so very highly regarded, but but I feel the same way when they, when they, they you just, it's like recruiting. You just don't really know until you get them into your building. Um, you try to find out as much information as you can, but um, the way that, you know, again, the way that Garen carries himself, I think he gives all of our offensive linemen confidence, which is so important in that position, um, and just has a demeanor about him that, that lets those guys know that, listen, if you do what I say, this stuff is going to work. I think uh, when I think about the spread uh, offense, I think about big plays uh, created by perimeter players. You've got a nice blend now, some older receivers, and you brought in a, a nice crop of young receivers as well to compete. Uh, what are your thoughts on where they are right now? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, you 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 want to get the ball, you want to attack the you know the grass and 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 get the ball to your playmakers and some simple ways to do that. So, the ability to have an older guy like Mark Mike Harley, a senior, you know, one of the hardest working guys on our team, 
Uh, Mark Pope and D. Wiggins kind of entering year three, which is really the year you like those. You know, they both flashed a year ago, and you'd like them to really have the ability to break out. Um, and then some young guys, as you mentioned, you know, Jeremiah Payton, and we really like all the, the, the freshman wide receivers that we brought in. All those guys have made plays in training camp. So now they just have to learn, you know, how to bring it into a game, you know, which will be a process throughout the year. So, you know, having those weapons on the outside is something that Miami should have, you know, and, and that's why, again, the piece of having the quarterback that can, and, and, and the system, but then now the quarterback that can distribute the ball to the playmakers we have at UM should, should always be a key to our success. Coach, I don't know that there's a defensive coordinator in the history of the game that would want to have an offense that doesn't run the football, at least successfully. And everything that I've seen at practice, Miami is running the football successfully. It's, there's talent, but also, let's not confuse it, it's a big part of the game plan. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's always a misnomer of the, of the spread offense is that, you know, that there's an unwillingness to run the ball or be physical and, and really – the opposite is true. I mean, obviously, with, with, with Red, his background, with Gus Malzahn at Auburn, they're going to run the football. They're going to throw play-action passes. Um, and you'll see a lot of the same things with us. You know, and, and even Red knows, you know, you throw to score, but you run to win. You know, and, and that's really the fun part when you get the tempo rolling and you can just lean on people and, and run that ball. And what you're really trying to do is you bring more and more people inside to stop the run. Well, now you're that's where the one-on-ones and all the, the open field is on the outside. So... And then, and then the, the added element of having a quarterback who is now a run threat, that's a whole different dynamic for a defense as well. Okay, we are off and running for the 2020 Manny Diaz show. Alabama-Birmingham is the first opponent, a very worthy opponent. We'll talk about Alabama-Birmingham as we continue on the Manny Diaz show right after this. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 